Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Lieber. Another round of Wrong and Wronger. I am Steve, Dr. Steve Olivas, and he is James the Unicorny. <laughs> See what I did there, James? Exploding <laughs> Unicorn. That just came to me on the spot because I can fly with this stuff. But this is the podcast where we used to argue about things that don't mean anything to anyone, but now we have grown up. We have matured. We are like a fine snifter of brandy, James, because now we discuss topics that are on our mind and on the minds of listeners and viewers. And before we even get to that, I do have to ask, because it's part of the contract, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. I continue to get feedback from people that is evenly split, that we've made things better or we've made things worse with the new th- really? with the new format. So yeah, and when I say continue to get, I mean I heard from exactly two people, one on each side of the issue. <laughs> so we've we've alienated and uh, met the approval of exactly equal number of people. We are we are forever stuck in the middle. We are we are the makers of our own morass. Wow, you know if we cut our listenership in half. Uh, we might as well just be talking to each other. Can you divide by zero? I think we're going into the physical impossibilities <laughs> Then you here. get the empty set. Yes. <laughs> well, James, because I don't have an original thought of my own, when you asked what we want, what we should talk about today, uh, I did what I always do and said, you know, your newsletter has inspired some thoughts in me. So... I'll let you introduce the topic because, frankly, it's yours anyway. What are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about battles with wildlife. Uh, I know you have a whole thing with squirrels. Now, I tried not to, like, look at your Twitter feed at all, but I do know there was a running commentary. I don't know what it is with you and the squirrels, what you have against them, what they have against you, but it's it's been a big issue. And with me, I had problems with raccoons and now a possum. So we've got wildlife all over the place. The one thing you learn very clearly, oops, sorry, I just kicked the table, made the camera jiggle. Uh-oh. I just lost five pounds. <laughs> one thing that you learn very clearly when you own a home is that you don't, you're not buying from nature, you're renting from nature, and nature is not always a kind landlord. I, I wouldn't go that far. I feel like mankind is the opposite of nature. Like when we plop down a house, nature has been evicted, but nature pushes back. I don't, I'm not renting. Like I, I intend to stay here forever and I will destroy any animals that compete for this claim. (laughs) That's my wife's point of view too. Like uh, she'll kill it because she says if it's in the house, it needs to die. (laughs) Like, uh, it's something, like, it's doing recon for, like, this big army of spiders or of mice or of something that has now infiltrated our defenses. And she needs to purge this this scourge from our home. But it's not me that has the squirrel issue, per se. It's Mrs. Steve. Oh. Like, every spring, she has, like, a relief map of the yard spread out on the kitchen table. And she's going through all of the strategizing it's going to take between her and the squirrels. And it doesn't seem that she's necessarily winning just knowing how much she spends on bird seed every year (laughs) but it's going to be an ongoing process for her i believe so this this all comes down to the squirrels stealing the feed meant for the birds is that the problem 
That is correct. She has gone so far as to try to distract the squirrels by putting like corn and squirrel type stuff in another part of the yard. And all that that means is the squirrels load up on that stuff, put it in the trunk of their car, and then come back for the bird seed. Because that's what ended up happening over and over again. We can't seem to keep the squirrels, who are like master engineers, out of these bird feeders. It's... it's um. It's disturbing. So let me tell you where you went wrong. You decided that yeah. one part of nature was good and one part of nature was bad. Let's let's feed the birds and push away the squirrels. When in reality, both sides were equally terrible. Why not force away the birds and the squirrels? I've got a flock of sparrows that keeps coming down and, and eating the bird Ooh. seed I just planted. So I have to run out there and turn on the sprinkler real fast to scare them away. Like... Birds oh, are the, the grass seed, you mean? The yeah, grass the seed. grass seed. Well, to to scare, I mean, I turn on the sprinkler to scare away the birds. If I've already watered, yeah. I'll, I'll fire it up again. But like, what's what's the line? Like, what makes her say that birds are nice and belong here, but squirrels don't? I mean, it could have been the opposite. What if she was trying to feed the squirrels and the birds were swooping in? And what, what was her what was her logic to draw this line between uh, good and bad nature? <clears throat> That's not a bad question, particularly in light of the fact that hummingbirds. There are children listening. Cover your ears for a minute. <laughs> Hummingbirds are bastards. What? Like that? They are the angriest, most evil attack. That they, their brain can't be but the size of a kernel of bird food, and yet somehow they still capture the imagination of everybody. So we put like uh, sugar water in all these hummingbird feeders, and they come around. And the only thing that is keeping me going is knowing that they hate me but they hate the dog even worse. <laughs> so when I go out with the dog, he is like a hummingbird anger magnet that draws all of their ire. So they kind of leave me alone when the dog is out there with me. No, I hate them. I hate them all. I'd be out there with a Wurlitzer, just mowing them down one after the other if it wasn't for Mrs. Steve loving them. You have to be the first person in the history of the entire world to get attacked by yeah. a hummingbird. I hate birds. I yeah. hate no. birds. There was a chapter in my upcoming book where I talk about how much I hate birds. In my last <laughs> my last survival guide, there were no less than four sections about how to deal with different kinds of birds. I hate them. And even I have no problem with hummingbirds. I mean, they weigh less than a paperclip. They have no offensive capabilities. They, they fly. I mean, they're working so hard just to keep their wings going. I don't think they have enough energy left to attack. Like what? Po what can they possibly do to you? Like fly in the general vicinity of your face? Like there's there's no possible way they could do any damage to you. James, if you get a swarm of them, and we have had <laughs> behind our house, they will. If you pay attention, and people who have hummingbirds know this about them, there will be usually a couple dominant hummingbirds that scare the other ones away. They will attack the other <laughs> the hummingbirds. Alpha hummingbirds. And if you go, yes. Did I say that? No. I think I did. <laughs> They're bad. They're mean. They're evil. They are the cage bird of Satan. But they'll go up in the air and do like a sine wave at your head. So they'll kind of swoop down at the speed of light. And like all you hear is feathers coming past you. They'll <laughs> go back up in the air and then swoop down at you again. They are hate-filled birds. They have a history of emotional disturbance. And I would rather not have them around my back door. I wonder if just... If you've like fed them to the point where they become some separate species, like you know how there's bees and then there's killer bees, there's like regular hummingbirds and then there's Steve's hummingbirds, which try to attack in swarms. Like honestly, I've hummingbirds. I've seen them. They're one or two at a time. 
They're they're super afraid of everything. They fly in there. They stick. They can't even open their beak to do anything. They have to stick the little needle, needle beak in there to to gently sip some Kool Aid and fly away. And you have found a way to be harmed by this animal, and that that really blows my mind. I thought my expectations for you were low, and you have gone so far under them. <laughs> You know, after having this conversation, I do kind of wonder if Mrs. Steve is putting crack in hummingbird <laughs> juice just to get them riled up. But I don't know. The hummingbirds have been an issue since day one. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I hate them. Now, I hate them. I mean, there are birds that will swoop at people. Like, we had uh, my parents have starlings. They put up a birdhouse. I don't know why. But then these other birds, like the starlings, would make... They'd make nests, like, right over the door in the gutters. And so you open the door, and, like, birds would swoop down by your head. Sparrows do that, too. Blue jays are famous for being jerks. Like, we hardly ever have blue jays around here in Indiana. And just the other day, I saw one, and it was on my porch with me and my door. And I was like, all right, are we going to do this? Are we going to fight? Is this going to be it? But he yeah, wisely sure. backed down because I outweighed him by about 179 pounds. So he knew who was... <laughs> and you weigh 174. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like the, you know, I, there are and then there's the Can Canada geese. I always want to call them Canadian geese because that makes a million times more sense. But they're Canada geese, and they are. I mean, they're basically the tigers of the air. They just they are they are so stupid <laughs> and so mean. But hummingbirds, really hummingbirds. Well, James, you grew up near corn, I think. But have you ever been attacked by a crow? No, okay, I uh, and I have to try not to dox my own hometown, but we at one time where I grew up had more crows than anywhere else in North America. And I don't know if that claim is entirely <laughs> true. I've tried to Google it before and I couldn't find it. But like there were, it, it, there's a, there is no more ominous bird you could have in large quantity oh than God. crows. Like they're smart, and they but they just they are gross. All birds are gross. But they they are huge. And uh, so we would go out on the paper route. Uh, my mom and I, we had we we worked together on one years and years ago, back when I was a wee lad. And um, like, especially like in the fall and the winter, they would just they would fill the branches. It looked like the start of a Hitchcock movie. Just massive sure. swarms of them. I remember one time in high school, I was out running, and there were so many hundreds of birds. Uh, in, in these two or three trees I had to run under that they had pooped and they had completely turned the sidewalk white. <laughs> and I ran under it. And I don't know if you've ever smelled a chicken coop that hasn't been cleaned. This might be too much of oh, a sure. farm reference for you. But it's a disgusting smell. These birds were so concentrated that outside in the wide open, it smelled like a chicken coop. And I stopped and literally threw up. That's how bad it was. Oh. The mayor of the town used to have a cannon that he would go around town and set <laughs> off to scare away these flocks of crows. There were so many. Uh, but I mean, uh, aside from being grossed out, like they never attacked me. They never, they never got close. And I mean, they're supposed to be pretty smart. And I w I've got to think a crow knows it's not going to win a fight with a human. So I, they, I have been attacked by a crow. I think this is a you thing, not a bird thing. Okay, tell me how you got attacked by a crow. <laughs> I used to have long hair ah. back when I had hair. And when I was in my 20s, I would ride my bike a lot. So I would go all over McGuanago and ride out to Waukesha and Pewaukee. These are actual <laughs> places, James. But um, I was riding my bike out on the highway and my hair was flowing back. And the, the crow must have thought I was either a small animal or that I had nesting material. <laughs> Because I'm just minding my own business, and all of a sudden, something hit the back of my head, 
and it was a crow that had come down because it kind of flew away a little bit dazed, like it didn't expect that the head was attached to a much bigger body. But it hit me again, and it freaked me out because there is nothing you can do to ward off an attack crow. And so, and I was like in the middle of cornfields, like I didn't have any trees, I didn't have anywhere that I could go. But I remember just speeding up and trying to get out of there. And at some point, the crow must have decided I wasn't worth its effort because it left me alone. But that left quite an imprint on me. Did I hear crows are evil? Okay, well, what kind of vehicle did you say you were on? Bicycle. A bike, and you didn't fall over. You got hit, and you stayed upright. It was a, yeah. And it was sort of a sharp hit, too. I don't know if it came in feet first or beak first, but it was a good bang in the back of my head. That's impressive. And there were two of them. Ooh, yeah. tag team. They, they come in pairs into a dog fight. No, it's the same one, I'm pretty sure, because it did sort of fly up and around and then came down for a second bite. If it wanted to kill you, it should have come in from the side, but like if from the back you could maintain your balance still. <laughs> that crow needs some pointers. We could have, think of how much trouble it could have saved the world. Right there, Steve Olivas killed by crow. This is why I maintain an active bald spot now, James. Like, I want the crows to see that shiny bald reflecting in the sun and know that it's not a small animal. It's not a rodent or a woodland creature. It's actually a human being. Oh, birds are so stupid. They always, you know, they run into windows. I, I, one of my few memories from when I was five or six, we were in the apartments and... Uh, uh, you know, there was just this loud thud. It was a cardinal, like as fast as it could fly, had zoomed in this window and ran into it and then fell two stories just completely dead. It's like, how can an animal oh, that geez. dumb have, have survived? And like, okay, they did. So they didn't have reflective surfaces maybe, you know, for a million years when they were evolving. But now we do. Like, haven't all the stupid birds died yet? I have the same feeling with deer. Like, we still hit deer. Like, at some point, shouldn't all the stupid deer be dead? And the ones who are smart are like, you know what? I'm not going to walk in front of that car. And they're the ones who live to reproduce more. Like, over time, the smart deer should edge out the stupid deer. But it's just not happening, or it's not happening fast enough. You know, your running story reminded me of a running story, which is there's a park uh, sort of where I used to live, where a lot of runners go because mm -hmm. there's big hills. You got to go work out. But it's through like a nature preserve. And I remember there was an alert that went out because several runners got attacked by an owl. <laughs> and it's because it's a nature reserve, they wouldn't do anything about the owl. So they're just warning the runners, uh, keep your head on a swivel because this owl is out there and it's pissed. Wow. So I don't know whatever happened with that. I never got attacked by the owl. But I remember the folly of hearing that alert thinking, ah, well, there you go. My favorite man versus wild story ever was there was a, during during rutting season, there was a buck and it saw its reflection in a plate glass window and it smashed through it. Because it's not like a bird when it runs into your window, it bounces off. A, a deer right. smashes through. And it was this guy, I think this guy was 50 or 60 years old. He was home and the deer goes rampaging through his house and he finally manages to get it shut back in his bedroom. But it's still in there being super angry. And, you know, he calls the authorities and he waits. And they're not here yet. And rather than waiting the whole time, he goes back in there and he wrestles it to death. He killed it with his bare hands like this deer with wow. antlers. I just, you know how manly that is to wrestle something, wow. anything to death? Especially when it's got, like, built-in stabby points on its head? I can't sure. even imagine. I would just like if well, it, did he rip his shirt off first? And I would assume eat the still beating heart once he had it dead. I don't. God dang. Yeah, it's like if a deer broke into my house, I would be out the door. Like I would not hang out. <laughs>
was inside. It's like feet don't fail me now. It's just like humans are not made to win that encounter. Like even if you win it, you're gonna get so cut up. I yeah, that 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 is. Oh, did he? I wonder if he held a knife between his teeth when he went in there. I choose. To... I've always wanted to come up to some situation where I had to carry a knife in my teeth. In my, maybe that was it for him. In my head, like he just goes in and just like grabs it by the antlers and just snaps its neck. I mean. <laughs> Well, the deer will rear up and kick at you yeah. with its front legs. And like, and I don't know how much. Deer, I mean, they can weigh 150, 180. Can they get up to 200 pounds? I mean, they can, they're not, I mean. Uh, the bucks can for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they're the size of a bear, but it's not tiny either. I mean, the thing's got some weight. And for whatever reason, animal strength is always greater than, you know, human strength. They've got that flight, oh, yeah. or flight response. Kind of like a chimpanzees. Like, they weigh so much less than humans, but like, they will rip you apart. Like, they can lift more no. weight. Than okay. us, they can. They you, you will never win an arm wrestling contest against one. Uh, if there were a chimpanzee in the bedroom, I would think even that guy would not have gone in and tried to wrestle it to death. But maybe I, I don't know. You know, I wouldn't have gone for the deer. So he clearly has different criteria than I do. So uh, so yeah, I, I definitely feel inferior. And you know, as soon as that door flew open, the deer was it pushed up its sleeves, and it's like, all right, it's go time. <laughs> we're doing it's this, I you. guess. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing this. You broke into the wrong house. <laughs> God, I think I've told you the story. A buddy of mine hit a deer with his car, and it was close to our apartment. I live with my buddy Brad, and we went running over there, and the deer was still alive, and a farmer came out of his house, took one look at the deer, grabbed its head, and just snapped its neck. Ooh. And I was like, we all stood there with our mouths open, and the farmer was like, yeah, just another day in the life. Like, uh, <laughs> it was suffering. It wasn't going to get any better. I had to put it out of its misery. And we're like, thank you, sir. So maybe this guy was a farmer. And it was just uh, it's what he does. It's like I get the impression this wasn't the first wildlife that he had wild like wrestled to death. Like this is just a, an extension. It's like sometimes you got to kill stuff with your bare hands. It happens. I tell you what, he didn't wrestle to death. Those damn hummingbirds, man, they would have messed him up. Oh, I'm not looking forward. So the, what, what kicked this all off? The story of my newsletter was about a possum. Yeah. There's a possum living in a hole on my front porch. And uh, I shared a picture this morning. It's, it's, I've been waiting for days to try to catch it in this live trap because I don't intend to wrestle it to death. And uh, I don't, they don't sell bear traps around here. And even if they did, I wouldn't put it out there because it, it would just snap the leg of a kid or something. But anyway, uh, I went out this morning and the trap had been set off with some force. It had like been knocked backwards, uh, but there was nothing inside it. So either this possum is a ghost or it is smarter than the trap. Or there's a third possibility too. I mean, it's possible that it wasn't the uh, the possum because the bait is apples, and we do have squirrels in the tree that come up on our porch sometimes. So it's possible I, I'd get a squirrel. I just I don't know how it got out. Like I would think if it was a possum, maybe it got the tail in there so the trap didn't snap all the way shut, and then it forced its way out. But like a squirrel, I would think the trap is long enough. A squirrel would have to be all the way inside. So I would definitely have a squirrel still in there, unless the squirrels are also ghosts. I don't know. The whole thing kind of confuses me. I don't know. The squirrels are like Romanian gymnasts. Like, they probably did like a Mission Impossible thing where they lowered one of the other squirrels from the ceiling to get the <laughs> apples. Would uh, the lever, there's sort of a teeter-totter in there that shuts the door behind the animal, right? Yeah, and it's like two-thirds of the way back, and the food is beyond that. So, like, unless it's a super long animal, the animal should be all the way inside when it's yeah. not shut. And a squirrel would still be heavy enough to uh, tip 
the door shut? I think it's a hair trigger, so I don't think it takes a lot of weight. Like, it's possible there was nothing. It's possible it just snapped on its own, but I don't think so. I think I think something put a foot on there. Uh, I'd like to believe it. Was, I'd like to believe it was the possum. I'd like to believe we had a close call. And it's weird though with possums. Like you talk about wanting to get rid of possums, everybody's like, "Oh, possums are great." Possums are great out in nature. Possums are not great in my house. I don't want one of those things in my house. They've got sharp teeth. They hiss. They've got that crazy oh, rat tail, and they you know, wrap it around things. They can carry a, a million tiny versions of themselves inside their pouch. Like I don't want that. And diseases. Yeah, everything out there is diseased. Like I don't, I don't know if this sure. is the one with rabies or what. You know, I just, I'm not going to take a chance. I don't want, I don't want to have to Google first aid for possum bites. Like I just want this thing gone. <laughs> Google wrestle possums to death. Yeah. <laughs> I could, you know, I, my my ability to, uh, you know, okay, so you probably don't spend as much time in what if scenarios as I do, but like, you know, could you fight? You know, think about like any animal you want to fight. Like you, you're in an octagon ring against it. It'd be it a sure. cobra or a possum or anything else. And whether or not I could beat it, I think a hundred percent depends on if I could wear shoes. And if I'm wearing <laughs> shoes. I think I could beat most animals out there. Like, oh, there's a possum. You can kick it and just stomp it. There's a raccoon. You can kick it and stomp it. But if you're barefoot, if you're like an MMA trunks and just I, I think I think the animals have an advantage. I think it all comes down to shoes. I think shoes helped us conquer the world. Because is there an animal you'd be afraid of taking on if you got shoes? I mean, like, you know, deer and bear aside, like all the vermin, all the smaller vermin, even snakes, you got shoes. I think you're okay. You can still kick an animal without shoes. I think uh, there's been eons of karate uh, <laughs> purveyors that would argue that. But I don't think it does as much damage, and then you're hurting your foot as well. Like, I, I, I take some martial arts classes, and kicking stuff hurts. You want that shoe on there. Like, if you if you <laughs> kick a raccoon, it's just going to bite up your foot. But you got a shoe on, you got that protective layer of rubber right there that shows that you have conquered nature. It's like a force field of, of mm. synthetic plastic. I That's where I'm at. It's a, you put me in a cage to fight an animal. If I've got shoes, I think I'm going to be okay. See, I would rather have like welder's gloves that go up to your elbow. Oh. Now you bring up a good point that all that raccoon has to do is catch you with one canine and you've got rabies. Yes. So I get what you're saying with the feet, but I'd always want to protect my face, which is going to require gripping the animal. And as long as they can't get at my forearm with their claws or teeth, I would feel more confident. But your arms are a lot shorter than your legs. So maybe not you. You're kind of weird and misshapen. But in most human beings, <laughs> legs are longer. Like your kick is a long range weapon and, you know, a punch is a medium range weapon. And if you're like going to go up and like pick it up and cuddle it, I just... Okay, well, we're on raccoons, so I've got I've got some raccoon stories from my dad. My dad used to uh, used to hunt raccoons like crazy when he was a teenager. They're out in the country; sure. they didn't have cable, and like raccoon pellets <laughs> used to be worth worth something. So they had acres and acres of woods because they didn't have a very good farm. It was up there in the hills in Iowa, and um, he uh, he shot enough raccoons. It was like twenty five bucks a pelt. And one year he shot enough Ooh. to get like fifteen hundred dollars, and he just used the money to buy more guns. So it wasn't like it was a terrible. <laughs> Terribly great profit. The squirrelinator. But yeah, or the cooninator. You've got to be, you've got to be real careful with them. So he said, like, um, 
he would go, he'd have a system, he was just using a little twenty two rifle, and he had like a yeah. flashlight in one hand, and he'd use the rifle in the other and use it one-handed, and he'd chase the, this dog would chase the raccoon up a tree, and then he'd shine the flashlight at the raccoon, and then he would shoot it, and the raccoon would come tumbling down the tree. And he said one of them, he shot it, and the raccoon came tumbling down the tree, and it was so tough that it stood up on its hind legs and hissed at him. It was taller than the dog, and then he had to club it Whoa. to death with his gun. Like, that's a tough raccoon. And uh, <laughs> That's a raccoon that would wrestle a deer to death. Yeah, no kidding. He can, he can fight on my behalf. Or there was another time he said his... <laughs> His dog, you know, you want you want the dog to send the raccoons up the tree because then you can shoot him. But one other time, he chased a raccoon down a hole. And he had to go oh. and grab the dog by the hind legs and drag it out. Because as much as that raccoon runs from a dog in a hole, cornered, apparently the raccoon could kill a dog or at least mess it up pretty bad. I mean, they're basically, if you look at their skulls, they're tiny bears. Their skulls are shaped exactly like yeah. bears. They've got the same set of teeth. They are nasty. And that's why when I had two of them pooping on my back porch, there's living in my dying tree outside that's why i was so worried it's like these things these things could kill all the animals in my house and uh, i was able to yeah. keep them out just by putting a doggy door with a plastic flap on there and that, that was enough of a barrier because they're they're very stupid thankfully uh but yeah raccoons are the worst possums are the worst all nature is the worst i don't care what their benefits are i want them off my property and out of my house well, that seems to be a fine note to end on, James Breakwell. <laughs> Excellent. I'm sure now that I stole, we've told all these stories about killing animals, we all have alienated the few people we have left. <laughs> For the record, I'm on the carnivore diet. Like, I, like, everything I eat dies anyway. So this is really just an extension of where I'm at. <laughs> well, I come from a place where the schools closed on the opening weekend of deer season. Ooh, so, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Well, this has been another scintillating, exciting, and effervescent version, no, episode of Wrong and Wronger. Join us next week when I will pull, I will plumb one of the good nuggets from James Breakwell's newsletter and expand it to 25 minutes where we just talk and uh, we just talk, James. That's what we do best. Until next week, this is Steve. Dr. Steve Olivas for James the Exploding Unicorn Breakwell saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, thanks for telling a friend. I know nobody has, but you might someday. And until next week, always remember, two wrongs can make a right. <laughs>